Hi, I'm Dr. Daniel Bynes. I'm Amanda. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Dr. Katie Elson. And together, we are The The Brain Brain People. A group of real, practicing mental health professionals. This podcast is a one-stop shop for all your mental health needs. We'll give you the tools to beat depression and anxiety one episode at a time. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Brain People podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bynus, and today I'm joined by two wonderful people that uh, I've known for several years now, and I want to give you a chance to introduce yourselves. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Kristen Henley, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a mom of three beautiful girls and a fourth one on the way. That's exciting. Yes, very exciting. (laughs) October, October, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, that's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I think you said you're not sure. We're if it's... not finding out the gender this time, so <laughs> it should be really exciting. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure you're looking forward to meeting the yes. new, new little one. So congratulations. Thank you. And um, like I said, I've known Kristen uh, for several years, and she's actually presented at several emotional intelligence uh, summits. And I've been very uh, grateful to hear a lot of the information that she's shared. And uh, I'm uh, Jackson Henley. Uh, husband of Kristen Henley. And uh, yeah, we just uh, enjoy uh, spending a lot of our time parenting these three wonderful girls and fourth question mark on the way. And um, I'm an ER doctor as well by trade. So that's what you do in your spare time. In my spare time. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Occasionally I do go in and work the ER. And, and Jackson actually also presented at this uh, year's emotional intelligence uh, summit. And I really enjoyed uh, your presentation as well. So thank you both for being here today. And today's topic is on relational trauma. And so we're going to be delving into that and getting into some of the nuances of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, How did the two of you actually first get interested in that topic of relational trauma? Well, it's been a part of my profession for quite some time, but I can't say that I fully understood or um, was able to comprehend the different nuances, as you mentioned, of relational trauma until we actually experienced it ourselves and personally. So Mm We're here to share our story in hopes that it can bring hope to other people who might be struggling or who may have struggled with this topic. And I really appreciate that. Uh, You know, it's one thing to be a professional and have theoretical knowledge about a topic. And of course, we can help people that way. It's a whole nother thing when we go through something personal. And I think that that just adds uh, a whole different perspective and um, a real richness in a way, even though obviously those experiences can be very difficult. But in a way, it can be a blessing because it can help people in it from a different way um, through that as well. So I'd love love to hear just a little bit more when you say that you experienced this uh, personally and maybe Jackson, you can share a little from your, your perspective there. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is never, I don't think this will ever get easy to talk about, but uh, this certainly wasn't our goal in setting out. We didn't decide one day we're going to study this topic. Um, uh, Just uh, to put it, Bluntly, um, you know, for a, for a variety of reasons, none of which are excuses, um, I uh, became heavily addicted to pornography when I was quite young. 
Um, and, uh, obviously having no idea at the time how, how heavy of an addiction it was. Um, and that, that lasted for years. Um, Kristen and I, as when we were dating and in courtship, uh, it was addressed. Um, and I knew it was wrong. Um, uh, but at the same time, I also had a, uh, just a huge, um, deficit and, and my, my own knowledge of how powerful an addiction could be and, um, just the, the ramifications downstream that it can cause. So, um, when it was first addressed, uh, me knowing that it was wrong, you rightfully so saying, you know, this, this is a deal breaker. If you yeah. want to continue, uh, to, uh, pursue what will eventually turn into a, an engagement and, uh, and marriage. Um, I more than happily agreed and swore it off. I said, this is never going to be an issue again. I'm done. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is years ago and I being, you know, very immature at the time, I, you know, I, I, had some, some things I struggled with at that time, you know, as far as, you know, what she needed to know, Mm, um, and, uh, the depth that we were to address it at the time. Um, but, uh, that being said, you know, I said, there's no way I'm doing it ever again. Um, I love you too much. I'm sorry for, for this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and in my mind, that was that I was done. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, like I had said, not, really understanding the, the power of, uh, not only the, just what the addiction was currently doing and it had done to her already, uh, but just the years of, uh, wiring of my brain and and the years of addiction that that's not something that somebody can just walk away from without, without a fairly intense life change and, and a lot of help and resources. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I was just thinking as you were talking, there's a lot of literature actually on the impact of pornography on someone's brain. And mm-hmm. like you said, it is a, a true addiction. I mm-hmm. mean, it really is one of those supra dopamine stimuli mm-hmm. that that excess of dopamine can mm-hmm. really impact the brain so that a lot of people, when they've been introduced to it, especially at an early age, it becomes difficult to even enjoy mm-hmm. like the everyday interactions and normal pleasures of life. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, I think why a lot of people probably end up even going back to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, is that something that you experienced in, in your own life? Yeah. And so, um, you know, the, both of us were under the impression that it never would be an issue again. And, um, I guess just to make a long story short, it did become an, uh, an issue again. Um, I, I had been clean, uh, as, as clean as I knew how to be clean, not, you know, intentionally going towards internet pornography, um, for several years, um, up until we had been married for, uh, I think it was a year or two into, into our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first relapse. Um, and, uh, I would say looking back on that, um, I relapsed and dealt with all the horrible feelings and emotions that an addict who falls off the wagon, so to speak, deals with. Um, Do you remember if there was like a trigger or something for this relapse or other relapses that you've had? Because sometimes it's helpful for people to understand like some of the things that can actually trigger people into relapsing Mm -hmm. into these unhealthy behaviors. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, this this was also a number of years ago, and so uh, as best I can remember, I mean, and and just looking back at when I would just have a relapse or act out, um, uh, boredom would would typically be uh, an issue. Time uh, uh, being. Uh, you know, not having anybody around, maybe even feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at times there, there were, you know, occasions where there would be some already negative emotions involved, whether it was a rough day at work or school or um, something like that. And, and again, growing up, that was how I conditioned myself to respond to stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are things that I'm understanding now yeah. years, late, years after the fact. Yeah. Through therapy, we've mm-hmm. learned so much mm-hmm. from, um, through some assessments that he's been through and through just trauma focused addiction therapists being able to question him. And, um, I mean, he was in a really stressful time, which was residency. And, um, I think that played an impact. I think yeah. Discovered that, that, that was too. definitely a contributing factor. So stress, loneliness, mm-hmm. boredom, need for escape. Mm-hmm. Need mm-hmm. For escape those mm-hmm. are all yeah. big factors uh, that you experienced. And I think a lot of other people too, when it comes mm-hmm. to any addiction and, mm-hmm. you know, sexual addiction is I think no exception. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. So through this process, uh, did you always let Kristen know when you relapsed and because it sounds like, you know, there was, there were this is something that you've kind of battled on, on and off yeah. uh, through your marriage yeah. uh, for some time. Did you always let Kristen know right away when you relapsed or, or how did that go? Well, I never did. Um, I was ashamed. I, I, it was, it would fill me with, uh, with self-loathing and uh, just contempt for myself, um, guilt. And um, in addition to that, I, I also hadn't realized how good I had been at um, kind of splitting and keeping secrets, um, understanding that deep down I I had this actual fear of rejection growing up, uh, much more so than I, again, ever realized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm only able to articulate this now, um, you know, because, uh, you know, Kristen and I have obviously done a lot of processing with this mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we've, we've gotten professional help too. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh, I just to kind of summarize over the course of several years, I relapsed every several months, um, every time convincing myself that that time was the last time and that I needed to tell Kristen, but I never did up until, uh, one day after years of doing that. Mm. Um, uh, and then it finally became our, what we call our D day, our disclosure day. Which is interesting, too, that uh, one thing that's been difficult for us to process it is that there is a sort of shaping over time that the addict will also convince themselves that it is. So there's minimizing and deflection because the shame is so strong mm. that there's this creation of an alternate reality, mm-hmm. almost as if there's a basement in your home that you don't even want to acknowledge is there. Nobody else knows it's there. But from time to time, you go down in that basement Mm -hmm. and you maintain the secret world Mm -hmm. ongoing, which is subliminally affecting your family unconsciously. It's it's affecting your intimacy. It's affecting and, and one of the things that I think is most unique about our story is we actually had a good above average 
marriage. Wow. I mean, not which is amazing when you think which, about what was going on. Which right? is amazing to think and and why we want our story to be told is because you can have a somewhat seemingly good marriage, mm-hmm. and where we have this teamship. That don't get me wrong, we weren't perfect by any means, but we had this co-existence, um, this really good teamship. That there were times, though, that there was a lack. I I couldn't name it, but mm-hmm. there was a lack of cherishing, a lack of attunement, a lack of empathy, and this going back to the shaping piece that I think even he was creating a different reality for himself, so he mm-hmm. didn't have to take responsibility for it. And that really is interesting because what I'm hearing is there's really a two part problem that's yes. going on here. There's of course the addiction component, mm-hmm. but then there's this alternate reality mm-hmm. sort of component yes. or deceptive component. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and so it's not just the addiction, but then the addiction because of the shame and everything attached to that mm-hmm. sets the stage for deception. Is that, Absolutely. is that correct? Yeah, I think that's summed up really yeah. well. Um, One yeah. of the most healing aspects for us is having that understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes, and I can speak as a mental health profession, we miss that second part of the problem mm-hmm. and we don't spend enough time there and couples can't fully heal because they're just focused on the addiction piece, right. but they're not focused on the integrity problem. And Dr. Omar Manwala, he's a clinical sex- sexologist in LA, and we came across his material through Betrayal Trauma mm-hmm. uh recovery.org. And Mm -hmm. he was on a podcast and we heard him talking about this two part problem. And I remember we haven't talked about D-Day yet, but I just remember bawling through my trauma fog thinking, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is the piece we are missing. And the piece that we have to recognize was an incredible deficit in our relationship, Mm -hmm. which was the integrity Mm -hmm. because there's all sorts of psychological manipulation that mm -hmm. took place for him to cover his addiction. None of which I was aware I was doing at the time. Exactly. Uh, Aside from, I knew that there was a, something you didn't know. Right. Um, and that I had lied about it. Yeah. Um, and at times, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm -hmm. we've talked about this too, Mm -hmm. where there was times where his lack of empathy was so strong because of the addiction. Addiction mm-hmm. decreases empathy mm-hmm. in a person. And so because of his lack of empathy, then he would have these thoughts and kind of condition himself to say, what she doesn't know won't hurt her. Mm-hmm. So then there's this two-part problem again. So you're not admitting the addiction, but then you also have this piece where she doesn't really need to know. Mm-hmm. It's only going to hurt her. And I think that's where a lot of rationalization can come in, Mm -hmm. you know, for, uh, people struggling with addiction saying, well, you know, I, I can take care of this myself and get past Mm -hmm. it. And so it's better just not to burden the other Mm -hmm. person with this, but that really adds to the deceptive components. And, you know, when I think about a relationship, like a healthy, intimate relationship, what's the foundation there? Well, I think it's, it's trust, right? And, and so, yeah, the addiction is is one issue, which is very important, not sets the stage, but then if you don't have the trust piece, then it's like, what kind of relationship do you really have? And that's the shattering that takes place. And Mm -hmm. that's where betrayal trauma enters, you know? Um, and the, the most difficult thing, um, about that is just knowing that this person 
that you have built your life with, that you connected so well with and invested so much time and effort and love and support, et cetera, all those components of healthy intimacy that they were capable of lying to you mm. and being so good at it for yeah. so many years. And there's a great deal, I'm I'm sure, of trauma, of course, that um, so that it's difficult for the person that's struggling with the problem, but there's a great deal of trauma for the spouse and yeah. for the family. And, and, and in, in part two, this is part, this, this se session that we're doing right now is part one of part two of, of, of um, what we're doing with Jackson and Kristen. We're going to focus a little more on the, what, what Kristen's experience uh, was yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, the healing that she has gone through and is still uh, going through. Mm -hmm. um, now, as far as, uh, your piece, Jackson, I mean, what would you say through this process? And you, you were going to talk, I think, about D-Day and mm -hmm. what actually even brought you to that mm -hmm. point where you got to dis disclosing actually mm -hmm. what was going on? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, what, what, what kind of happened to lead up to that and then subsequently? Yeah. So um, in my mind, my... <laughs> Now what I see is such a simplistic way of thinking. I, I, I knew I was going to have to tell her at some point. And I thought, well, if I can be sober for X amount of time, then it won't hurt as much. And who knows what that amount of time is. Um, for me, in my mind, I, I was thinking years. I said mm -hmm. I, I needed to make sure I could swear to her it would never happen again and that it hasn't happened for years. And so I'll wait. Okay, so it's it's this year I'm going to wait, you know, two years, three years, four years from now, and then I'll tell her. And it won't be that bad. And, and, wh and what was even compelling you to tell her at all? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, I... So I knew that she want, she would want to know. Okay. Because well, I would ask, you know, yeah. being a therapist yeah. and dealing with this issue from yeah. time to time, I would check in. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I remember the last time, well, I didn't know he lied to me, but he remembers and he fell into a depression because mm -hmm. he was going against his conscience. Yeah. yeah. And so he had directly looked me point blank in the eye and lied mm -hmm. and followed that up essentially by saying, I mean, these aren't exact words, but... I would never lie to you. Mm -hmm. And that's just a phrase that rings in my ears yeah. a lot from our past. So it just turned into a lie upon a lie. And, and that hit me really hard because I'm not, I, I mean, I didn't think at the time that I was a dishonest person, that mm -hmm. I was a liar. In other areas of your life, you had integrity. And Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And People would say he's, he's a great guy. He does, you know, nice things. will give you the shirt off his back. Um, and this is the kind of, this is the kind of image I wanted to portray um, uh, while, uh, at the same time, you know, the most important earthly relationship I have, um, what I, what I'm even now realizing is I didn't lie to her. I was lying to her during this entire time because she for years is under the impression that yeah. this isn't an issue when it was. Yeah. And Shaping that, my reality mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that speaks a lot to that compartmentalization effect. Right. And, right. and also the fact that even when there's one thing that we're doing that we know is wrong and we haven't made that right, mm -hmm. we're not going to have peace. Even if every mm -hmm. other area of our life mm -hmm. is doing fine. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like you had that sense of, okay, I got to come clean here. Otherwise yeah. I'm just never going to have peace. So, right. so finally you got, to that point yeah, where you and I, mean, I think it was a combination of, uh, I mean, truthfully, I think the Holy Spirit had a big role in it. I mean, I, I had prayed about it. I had prayed for that burden to be taken from me. Um, but I think 
prayer and divine intervention can only go so far when you're still actively cherishing a sin, um, which I was doing by lying to my wife. And um, so that plus we actually in, uh, had uh, someone come to our church and give uh, give a weekend kind of a seminar over abuse in the church. Um, her name's Sarah McDougall. She's a great resource. Um, and uh, she had also talked about um, uh, I forget exactly secrecy bringing, and, yeah, and bringing darkness into the light, yeah, exposing darkness, yeah. even the dark corners of our own life right. to bring it out in the open and deal with things and heal. So that uh, just. You know, it was a Saturday night. We were sitting on the couch and uh, she she'd even asked me again that night. Mm -hmm. Is there anything I need to know? And I, I lied again. I said no. Mm -hmm. And then I said, you know, minutes or an hour later, whenever it was, it's obviously all a blur now. That was just such a mm -hmm. such a um, hard time. Um, I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to tell her. And um, and even that is is just so it's hard to think about, hard to even talk about. But um I was under the impression that I, you know, I'd be in the doghouse for a few weeks and, you know, mm -hmm. it's, I still had in my head, you know, the quote, it's just porn mentality. Like, it's not like I went out and touched somebody or cheated on her. Um, and then, you know, it happened. I told her and our realities, her reality was shattered. Our marriage was shattered. Mm -hmm. Um, and at first I, I was tempted to think she was overreacting, um, until I started understanding exactly what just happened. Mm -hmm. She all and of a especially sudden, with the trust. With the trust, she didn't know she didn't right. who, she, yeah. who, who she was married to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that was hard for me to wrap my mind around. But, um, but yeah, it was a it was tough. It was really helpful that God placed in our life the appropriate resources, yeah. and and we had a few that we had to just say, you know, I I don't think this is your specialty. Um, and and shift to trauma informed therapists mm -hmm. who really got this, mm -hmm. and uh, we listened a lot, dove into books, and yeah. just allowed God to really enter and start some healing. But that was very painful. Mm -hmm. I mean, years, and mm -hmm. it takes a long time. Yeah, sometimes I know for myself and a lot of my clients, sometimes there's a lot of pain in those initial steps of, yeah. of healing. Yeah. And yet it is so important to be willing to face mm -hmm. that pain to go through it because mm -hmm. on the other side, there is mm -hmm. hope, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. Now, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear from you, Jackson. I mean, what were the steps that you've taken since then to actually help address uh, this issue from, from your side? And again, in, in part two of our episode, we're going to be diving more into uh, Kristen's uh, part in the healing that she's been working on. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the most important thing or the, there's so many things, but one of the most important things is just having that understanding of the breach and the trust mm -hmm. and how, when you, when you are uh, specifically with, within a marriage, with a spouse, when you are living someone who you feel like you're giving all of yourself to, and you're, you're intimate with, and, and, you know, the ways that spouses are intimate with each other. I'm not just talking about sex, but just yeah, in, in knowing uh, and trusting the person to um, be there by your side and protect you. Um, when you realize that you have taken that from the person that you love uh, and have, you know, spoken your vows to and shared so much with, um, that's, that's a pretty, I mean, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, wow multiple times uh, over the course of weeks and months after. And and it's so interesting to 
hear you share that because it sounds to me like a big part of the motivation for your healing was actually realizing the impact, the pain that you were mm -hmm. causing to someone that you loved and really yeah. getting out of that mode of mm -hmm. rationalizing mm -hmm. or being in denial about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And protecting self. And, yeah. Really. Because yeah. like who are you protecting ultimately? Yeah. yeah. So so since you've after you realized how much it was really hurting Kristen and the pain that you were inflicting and how wrong it really was, uh, what you were, what mm -hmm. you were doing, what, what actually like, cause some, for some people that just might lead to more shame, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then just repeating the cycle, what, what, what are the steps that you've actually taken yeah. to get beyond that? Uh, well, I mean, you know, like Kristen was saying, we, we've, you know, we found um, a couple of professionals who have been really helpful to, you know, identify the, you know, the past triggers kind of it's it's important to take a, just what we've kind of come to refer to this fearless moral inventory of one's own life to gain an understanding of uh, just the importance of, of all the angles and not that you want to dwell in the in this pit of despair. But at the same time, this is one of the most important and, and challenging things yeah. a couple will probably ever go through. Um, again, in, in various degrees, depending on the kind, kind of relationship that they have. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that plus, um, you know, we had, uh, we have some friends of ours who have just been lifesavers as well. That's, mentors. that was a huge one. They've just become mentors to us. Um, and having uh, basically an accountability partner, mm -hmm. um, not only for the behavior, for the pornography or the acting out or whatever, um, you know, you want to refer to it as, um, but someone who could, um, who could pray with you and mm -hmm. who could listen uh, without judgment mm -hmm. um, and, and just be a support. Yeah. Um, because there were plenty of times where I, I thought our marriage was done. Mm -hmm. I thought we were done. Mm -hmm. I, I said, she's hurting too much. I can't imagine her ever getting, getting over this. And I don't know um, if this is going to work and nor could I expect her to be mm -hmm. a support to me, given the fact that I was the very perpetrator that caused her all this harm. Yeah. So it sounds like really recognizing that how, how much pain um, this has caused and, and, mm -hmm. and not rationalizing yes. or sweeping it under the rug is really important. Mm -hmm. Get it, be, continuing to be transparent mm -hmm. uh, with the struggle that you're going through, mm -hmm. um, getting that accountability, getting the support through mm -hmm. uh, therapy, um, mm -hmm. both individual and then, you know, working as a, as a couple. Mm -hmm. So, and then of course, tapping into resources, um, whether mm -hmm. it's books or podcasts, yes. videos, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Yeah, there's a lot of that. So yeah. it, it sounds like, it really needs to be a multifaceted mm -hmm. yes. approach. And mm -hmm. I'm definitely hearing spirituality has played a big, big that role through this as yeah. well. Yeah. So what would you tell, or what would you say to somebody that might be, find themselves in a similar situation? Um, what would you, I mean, what kind of hope could you give? Yeah. Them? Well, there is hope. Um, I mean, if, if, um, the two things are addressed, the behavior itself and the integrity um, issues. So both parts of the problem really need to yeah. be addressed. The two parts of the problem need to be addressed. I think personally, but also in therapy too, mm -hmm. yeah. making sure yeah. that those are. The, um, at least for me, um, the, the addiction thrived in secrecy. Mm -hmm. 
um, I didn't realize once I came clean a second time, um, that was a very different uh, disclosure. Um, it we we wanted to leave no stone unturned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had a lot of late talks. We were very tired for months. <laughs> um, you know, I I put her through a lot, and recognizing that was was crucial in mm-hmm. um, in seeing the pain that resulted from the behavior, and uh, and then the integrity uh, yeah. piece, understanding that while I never set out to become a pathological liar or a chronic deceptive person. Um, there, you. There was a, a very important component there that that affected her and her reality and our relationship, our ability to be, mm-hmm. to have intimacy, to know each other, and to be known mm-hmm. by one another. Um, it really yeah. compromised that in a bad way. So it takes a lot of hard work. It takes it a yeah. lot of time to yes. to rebuild. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like the work is worth it, yes. and it so sounds and it looks like it's paying off. And and yeah. I'm so grateful absolutely to, to hear that and. Mm-hmm. Uh, for our listeners, uh, we're, we're going to definitely be providing uh, resources uh, in, in the show notes uh, so that people can get more direction yeah. uh, for help uh, for dealing with these mm-hmm. uh, sorts of situations. And uh, Jackson, Kristen, so appreciate you joining us Thank today. Mm-hmm. It's been a real blessing to hear your story. Thank you for sharing. I know these things aren't easy to talk about, yeah. but I know that it's going to do a lot of good for our listeners. So mm-hmm. thanks Thank for having again. us. Yeah, thanks Thank for you. having us. So if you only take one thing away from today's show, remember this, if mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Dr. Daniel Bynas. I'm Kristen Henley. And I'm Jackson Henley. And you've been listening to the The Brain Brain People Podcast. Episodes, find us on social media or support us financially, visit the brainpeoplepodcast.com. 